1: Hello there, I'm Tony Gow, and you
2: are listening to We Are West Ham podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. And this week, we wish West Ham United a happy 125th birthday. In the summer of 1895, when the clanging of hammers was heard on the banks of Father Thames and the great warships were rearing their heads above the Victoria Dock Road, a few enthusiasts with the love of football within them were talking about the grand old game and the formation of a club for the workers of the Thames Ironworks Limited. There were platers and riveters in the company who had chased the big ball in the North Country. There were men among them who had learned to give the subtle pass and to urge the leather goalwards. No thought of professionalism, I may say, was ever contemplated by the founders. They meant to run their club on amateur lines and their first principle was to choose their team from men in the works. Those are the words of Sid King, Thames Ironworks player and West Ham United manager between 1902 and 1932. Now, this summer marks 125 years since the inception of Thames Ironworks, the team who came to be known as the West Ham United of today. The Irons won the West Ham Charity Cup in the 1895-96 season, were the champions of the London League in 97-98, and by the 5th of July 1900 were a rebranded, bona fide Southern League side on the way up. But now, 125 years later, West Ham United are battling relegation in England's top flight for the umpteenth time. They are run by at least one man who looks like he was present at the Thames Ironworks Inception meeting, And to some fans, the club's new London Stadium is about as recognisable as a home as Thames Ironworks' original Hermit Hermit Road ground would be today. Sid King once described the ground as a cinder heap and barren waste. And although I've heard fans call the London Stadium far worse, King would at least be proud of the amateur lines on which the club still seems to be run. However, after many generations, millions of fans and a century and a quarter later, we're still here talking about our club, Albeit with very little to celebrate other than its mere existence, all this time later. So, lads, happy birthday to West Ham! Happy, happy Tuesday to you two. And Jonesy, how are you?
3: I need a tissue. That almost sent me. I almost started crying there. It was a a great speech. Um, I'm fine. Um, I I did celebrate yesterday with a with a beer and a whiskey. Uh, It's happy birthday to West Ham. Not a lot to celebrate, so at least we celebrate some kind of existence for our football club um but yeah yeah that was good i I really enjoyed that will really nice actually i think think you should have done it in a more cockney accent it would have made it a little bit more real a little bit more you think uh, yeah
2: thing is i was a little bit too posh yeah i know what you mean in the late 1800s though when sid king would have delivered those words i don't think cockneys were quite as rough and ready and colloquial as that as they are today but um be that as it may so tom celebration or commiseration for you this week how are you feeling Celebration after hearing that, mate, for sure. That
0: that was a beauty. But um, no, yeah, like I'm with Jonesy, I had a beer yesterday, celebrate, feeling a bit nostalgic, thinking of uh, some of the things which made us West Ham, I guess. But yeah, mate, celebration. I think is the overriding one.
2: Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, I'm I'm very pleased to hear. It. We've got an absolutely packed show tonight. Luckily. Enough. We uh, we did our best to keep it going over over lockdown where very little was going on. But there's absolutely loads happening now that football is back. Tonight we've got uh, Dave Chidgey from the Chelsea Fancast. We've got a Newcastle guest from the the London Magpies. We'll talk all through the headlines. Aaron Cresswell's comments on Talk Sport, David Moyes' comments in his recent press conference. The new home kit. Pablo Zabaleta, Carlos Sanchez, Jeremy and are leaving the club, and the new statue of Bobby Moore. Jeff Hurst and Martin Peters outside the London Stadium. But first of all, one of the, the main headlines that caught the attention of quite a few West Ham fans this week. Uh, we had DJ London Stadium DJ Russ Budden on the show last week, and we were talking to Russ then. And me and James have since done our my West Ham eleven. Uh, with Russ on his YouTube channel, it's an up-and-coming channel that a few of you listen might have already seen. If you haven't, certainly go and check it out. But I say the big headline from this week: James Jones uh, deciding that Paolo Di Canio was in fact a right midfielder in his four-four-two. My eleven, Jonesy, I think all oh, the other big news of the week that one that uh, sort of riled up people the most. No, um, I
3: explained. I explained in in my reasoning that it wasn't a four-four-two. It was uh, in my attempt to crowbar mark i boogers in there for for reasons that that become very very clear if you watch the the, the full episode of my mm-hmm. 11 um i i had to find a way and so the, the formation changes a little bit it's more like a like a four-two-one-two, two, whatever it. Is. i don't know um it's 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 a weird formation but um you know it's all in the name of fun will i'm i mean, i do not know why you picking holes in it, uh, <laughs> it i mean it it's is. an 11 it's an 11 that would that would you know, it would win most relegation battles at West Ham, I reckon.
2: Well, I, I must admit, James, I'm particularly annoyed. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm particularly annoyed because I had to drop Marlon Harewood out of my eleven. I wanted to go three four three, and you know, because the rules of of Russ's pod, uh, channel that he does has to be four four two. Just to so the listeners. He didn't know, tell me that. I'm, well, I mean, this the very first thing he says on on his podcast, James, so. I don't like to point fingers. However, Tom, I'll get, get your view on it. We'll just run Here through James's James 11 quickly. Robert Green in goal. Thomas Repke right back. Rio Ferdinand and Winston Reid in the middle. Julian Dix left back. Paolo Di Canio right midfield. Scott Parker and Joe Cole in centre midfield. Marco Boos on the left and Tony Cotti and Carlton Cole up front. Just immediate thoughts on that, Tom. And if, if you can get past Di Canio playing as a right midfielder, try.
0: I on it, I'm uh, Russ has messaged me about doing it, so I'm thinking of how to crowbar a few lads in there, so I, I'm actually quite on board with that, a little freedom free roll from the right, coming in, drifting in, linking up with the big men up there. I'm getting him in. I, I'm not actually against that at all, you know, but um no, I like the one which got me, which I thought maybe wouldn't, was uh, Scott Parker in there. So obviously Jones he's seen a few more better midfielders than I potentially have, but that's that's yeah, I was surprised, but also pleasantly surprised that's a good one.
2: You yeah, well, you, uh, you to, game, sorry, you've got
3: you've got to see Di Canio as like an inside forward in that role, out yeah. the, out in the wing. You know, as an inside forward rather than a winger.
2: Oh, a clear exploitation of a loophole that uh, I'm sure Russ was absolutely furious about. But an impressive eleven altogether, James. I think I went with Green in goal, Schimmel at right back, uh, Repka and Reed in the middle, Dix of course at left back, and then I had Matthew Etherington on the left, Scott Parker and Hayden Mullins in the middle. I was told I was the first person to pick Hayden Mullins on the show. Uh, Yossi Benio right midfield and Carlos Tevez and Paolo Di Cania. Weirdly, though, I had Di Cania up front. Um, just nothing to the fact that he striker for West Ham. But ed, everyone, look out for for Tom's Tom's 11, which should be coming out on Russ's channel in the next few weeks. So let's get to actual West Ham football news here, lads. I don't know where to start. There's some comments from David Moyes and Aaron Cresswell come out this week that have annoyed fans. I think we'll go with Aaron Cresswell's one first. This was an interview he gave on Talk Sport. He was asked about Declan Rice. And he came out and basically said, you know, I think Declan would be... He's great. I think he'd be even better with better players around him. I don't want him to leave. But if he did, he would go on to the next level. Jonesy, I'll throw to you first. Were... We we put out a Twitter poll earlier on, and we'll dig into the results. But what were your thoughts on on Cresswell? The three schools of thought seem to be absolute disgrace that he said that. Or, yeah, he's totally honest. He's spot on. Declan Rice is better than West Ham. Or, Jesus, who cares? He was asked a question, and there's more important things going on at the moment. Where do you lie? Um, Well, I mean,
3: for starters, I'm not as outraged as as some fans. Uh, I I can potentially see why fans were a little bit upset with it. I think the outrage is probably a little bit too much. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we all yearn for footballers to be a little bit more honest in these interviews that they do with the media, uh, regardless of whether it's just after a game or whether they're talking to lots of talk sport. Um, and that's exactly what Aaron Cresswell was. I don't think he actually said anything that wasn't completely honest and nothing that no one doesn't agree with. Like, we all agree with what he said. Um, I've seen a lot of people say he shouldn't have said it because we're in a relegation battle. i completely get that um, a few people have said that he's disrespected his teammates by saying that he can move on and play with better players um, I don't think he has uh, I think every single player at that football club um, will be texting Aaron Red Cresswell tonight go, and you said exactly what we think um, so yeah um, I'm not outraged there's a time and a place to be honest perhaps he shouldn't have said it in the way that he did but he said it um, I don't think it's going to affect our Chances of survival. Um, people saying he should be dropped. Can we afford to drop him? Um, like, come on, let's just move on. Like, we, we've got more important things to worry about at West Ham United than Alan Cresswell just saying that Deccan Rice is a brilliant player and he'd probably, he'd probably end up moving on sometime.
2: Absolutely. Well, the results, we put this Twitter poll out on the We Are West Ham podcast earlier on. You can follow us on Twitter. We are underscore West Ham. And we put the question to the fans ahead of the podcast record tonight. Tell us your thoughts on Aaron Cresswell's comments on Declan Rice. Was he disgraceful? Uh, 23% of people uh, decided he was disgraceful. Honest and spot on. And that's actually won it, the majority of that, 39%, but only very slight. Uh, voted for honest and spot on. And 38%, just 1% behind, said not that important. Tom, my I mm. certainly fell into the into the latter category. I agree with what James said about honesty. I think that's what we want from players. And coming out and slamming him at a mm. time like this, just what's the point? There's more important things happening. That was my view. Do you share that? I saw a couple of angry tweets from you earlier on, a bit more general about some of Mark Noble's comments and Moises as well. Mm. What do you think?
0: Yeah, that's it, mate. So for that specific example, I think like Jonesy said, he is quite literally speaking the truth. Declan Rice is a good player playing with, surrounded by pretty poor players at this minute in time, and he would naturally be better. He's twenty-one. He will move on to a bigger level at some point in time, and that that's all well and good. Saying I think the main thing for me was just the culmination of sort of the club's mentality since the restart. Moy saying it's going to go to the last day. Noble saying. It's inevitable. We're going to lose a a few games here and there or whatever, and it's going to go down deep into the season. And it just seems like a bit of a defeatist, not defeatist, but we're getting ourselves in a bit of a negative bunker from within, not just the fans. And I know everything doesn't help the fan clamor or whatever, but it seems like there's a bit of a negative atmosphere in there. And there's not really a a one voice who's speaking out and they're all togetherness sort of coming from the group. And that was my sort of thing I was trying to pick at today. It's not necessarily Cresswell. He's probably the, the best comments of the three, if that makes sense. But I just think the overall sort of acceptance that we're banging trouble rather than trying to get out of it with two quick wins, which would sort of throw us out there. It's sort of like they're all ready for a dog fight.
2: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I think people seem to forget that we've beaten, we've gone to Chelsea and won this season. We've put in good performances against Liverpool, beaten Manchester United... We, we have got those those performances in us, and especially before lockdown when the form was looking a little bit better, not that it could get any worse. I do agree. We'll move on to David Moyer's comments then. Uh, in his recent press conference, he said, I want to create a new history at West Ham if I get the chance. Uh, and it could go down to the last game of the season. He's mentioned that again, Tom. James, I want to throw to you here, first of all, I mean, we'll... First of all, are we all agreed, all three of us, that that he's not for the the that he's not the man for the job, under any ownership, uh, David Moyes. But I, the, the bit that just smacks of desperation from me is every interview he gets, he seems to say, "If I get the chance," and it's like every single interview or press conference or a large majority of them, he's going, "If I get the chance, re-, He's just like begging for his job all the time. I um, I think that shows the the position he's in anyway, and I think if he's if the football was doing the talking for him as it should with a manager, if you're performing on the pitch, you shouldn't have to say if I get the chance in every single interview, sort of pleading for your job with the owners. Uh, First, like your thoughts on the comments and do you generally think that he's the man for the job going forward?
3: We've debated this a lot, haven't we? Uh, Whether he's the right or wrong man for the job. Um, I mean, firstly on, on, you know, him begging for his, his job. Uh, at the end of the day, he knows that at the moment he just hasn't been good enough. I think what his win percentage since he arrived has been 17%. You know, that's, that's sackable form, um, at, at any club, uh, at any time of any season. Um, I think the only thing that's probably saved at the moment is that, you know, we're still essentially in a pandemic playing behind closed doors and there's not a lot the club could do. So they might as well just stick with him. Um, so he is fighting for his job and he will be begging for his job. Um, And so I'm not really surprised to hear him sort of say things like that. I did like, I mean, I did laugh a little bit at what he said about, um, he has some ideas um, about how we could take the club forward. I mean, Dave, we've all all got ideas about how to take the (laughs) club forward. Um, It's just whether we've got, got what it takes to do it. And I mean, I'm losing, I mean, I was thinking, well, you know, if he can keep us up, then perhaps he is the man, you know, give him time. Um, and give him some some money in the summer, but with everything that's happened recently, and in fact we're probably not going to have any money in the summer um, or the winter, whenever the transfer window closes. Um, and what I've seen since we've come back, I think there's no hope for him. Uh, I, I don't see a future with David Moyes in charge. Um, it would take a drastic turnaround for for him to be in charge next season. For me, I just I think he's he's fighting a losing battle now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I Obviously, all of these conversations, as we've said before, all depend on what division we're in next season. And it's not looking too clever at the moment. Tom, just quickly before we move on to the next one on yeah. you, uh, did, your thoughts on the, the moist comments. And you have the same thing as Jonesy, where you're just not sure he's the man for it.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'm just, I never was confident when we first appointed him. He did all right then. I'm not confident now going back to him, especially when you have told him he wasn't good enough in the first place. And you told the world that with your media statements it just yeah and he is desperate in his press conference I do feel like he comes across like he's thinking of the next stage and not really focusing on doing it now at points but I think I was looking today we won three games in the last 16 and one of them was against Gillingham and the other one was Bournemouth the week before so we're bang in trouble any other manager in this situation or any other club in a different situation outside of pandemic there'd be Maybe too late on in the season to make a change, but it, it's not been good enough under him. He's come into a real tough, tough job. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't, I just don't see any way we can progress with him. His last three or four jobs, he's done nothing but fail, and uh, he's he's he can't take us forward. We just got hope he does enough to keep us up this time round. But it won't be for us being good enough; it'll be for other teams being poor.
2: Totally, totally. I think um, the the threat of relegation still looming as large as ever. And uh, yeah, all these conversations will take on a completely different look over the summer. James, a positive chance for. We did our first sort of reaction podcast last week, didn't we? It wasn't really through choice, but we wanted to get the pod out on the Wednesday like we normally do, which meant that we, we sat down straight after the Tottenham game. And I don't think it's a good idea to talk. Any more about that game, or the Wolves game, or indeed that podcast. Uh, I'm just pleased to see a smile back on your face. I don't know what day of the week it returned, but I'm pleased it has nonetheless. The new home kit, 125-year anniversary strip. Uh, West Ham made a big deal of it on social media in the week. and We'll go on to my thoughts on it in a minute, but your initial tweet had a heart-eyes emoji in it. and I can't remember the exact wording, but what a delight this is, or it was something along those along those lines you seem quite pleased with it sensational was the word i used sensational uh, very Sensational. Very yeah. is. Uh, i mean
3: it might be a little bit a little bit of hyperbole on my uh, my front but at the same time i think um i think it's a lovely lovely strip it's traditional uh, i've seen a lot of fans call it lazy and a copy of the 1516 sort of farewell bowling shirt um and you know yeah it does look a little bit like it but now it has its it has its own unique um, take on that kit, and everyone loved that kit. So I don't know why people are a bit upset about this one. Um, I think it's I think it's, it's just a lovely looking shirt. Goes back to you know um, the, the shirts we all, like the traditional look that we have, you know, with the, with the blue sleeves and, and everything else. So yeah, I, I love it, um, and I'm just happy that we've got Umbro who don't sort of have template kits like the likes of Adidas and, and Nike, particularly Nike have. Uh, where they'll have one template and then just give the same one just different colours for every club. Um, I mean, if a lot of fans would rather that, then um, fine. But we haven't got that. We've got unique shirt um, with a unique with unique colours, and I like I like
2: it. I just like it. It's sensational. <laughs> boys. I mean, that's, I just I love it. I love it. That's Absolutely fine, James. Um, I, I'm assuming your voice went all high pitched at the end because you could see the confused look on my face. However, yeah. yeah. Um, Tom I'll, I'll throw to you now to me my first thoughts on it was mm. it was a sort of kit you used to buy off of a bloke at a Pitsy market for about a tenner when you were a kid the copy version of the kit that, that either him or his wife had sewed at home when I was about 10 if you know your family couldn't afford the kits you'd, you'd get a copy one and i i, I completely opposite end of the spectrum to James. I don't like it at all. I think it's a poor man's version of the 2015-16 one. The sleeves seem to go weirdly too high up on the shoulders. I don't think the fact that all the players posing for the modelling shots, especially Declan Rice, had still had their lockdown haircuts going on. I don't think that particularly helped. And in some of the marketing pictures um, that the club put out and that was on the club's official website, they'd spelt the word goalkeeper wrong. Um, which just kind of tells you all you need to know, but yeah, I'm I'm not too impressed. But Tom hit me. You in love with um, it?
0: I'm very indifferent about this one. I love the 15, 16 one, and we've had a few decent ones recently. Actually, Umbra have actually been all right. This one for such a big uh, moment in the club's well, sort of big moment in the club's history. Yeah, 20, 125th season, whatever it is. I wasn't blown away. I was quite excited to see what they'd give us. I thought they might go even more retro, give us something even more of a throwback, more simple. But I'll take it. The one thing which got me, was, who was it? It was Hannah, Anderson and... Bowen. Uh, oh, yeah, Bowen. And all, all four of them, we might need a few more models at the start of next season should things go terribly for us. But no, it, it was a de- decent... The badge the badge is a massive upgrade on what we have at the minute, I think, uh, from this season. but.
2: Just What's describe them? that to everyone in case I haven't seen it already. Yeah,
0: so they, what, they've they added a few. They, what did they add to it? They added 125 years to it at the bottom. They changed the colours of it a bit, didn't they, as well? They made it uh, claret at the back. Sorry, Claret at the back. And, um, yeah, it looks, it looks a lot sharper than the one we've got at the minute, to be fair. So I think that was a definite upgrade. Um, I, w- I just wasn't blown away with it. Like, I, f- I see a few kits down the years. The Alpari one we had under Adidas and... Uh, that was a beauty. We've had we've had a few good ones recently. This isn't my favourite favourite, but Umbro are usually pretty good, so I'm hoping for something with the away kids.
2: You think you can? Uh, you think you can let them off? Yeah, I, I, I must admit, not too yeah. impressed. But J- James was uh, still a bit. You're a bit niggled, weren't you, James? That as much as you love it, you're still a bit wound up that it said London on the crest. Mm,
3: that's the problem. Uh, no, Well, see, I'm not really. Um, a lot of fans I've seen a lot of fans go, but still got London in the crest. Still got London in the crest like, Well, I mean. I've never really understood the 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 the, the fuel behind that. You know, it, it says London. Um, like I don't. It is what it is for me. I know. I you know. I, I get why the club did it. You know, for marketing reasons. Okay, it hasn't really worked for us. Um, but they they followed the uh, the PSG route where they uh, obviously Paris had got Paris in the name, Paris Saint Germain. But they made they deliberately made Paris bigger on their badge. for marketing reasons so our club have gone right to stick London in marketing reasons hasn't worked uh, yet Uh, it probably will never work but I can see the reasons behind it and that's why I don't really (laughs) care about it Um, if they decide to remove it fine if they keep it there whatever um, Um, I don't care
2: my apologies, your inclusion of the uh, of the London bit on the running order made me think you were annoyed by it. So I, I take that back. I think the problem is, for marketing purposes, whilst the London bit might be quite prominent, the, the the West Ham United bit is also prominent, which is obviously a big drawback for lots of investors and people looking to buy a football kit of a decent club. Pablo Zabaleta, Carlos Sanchez and Jeremy Ngakia have left the building this week. Jonesy, you said farewell to one of the last proper professionals at the club. I can only assume you meant Carlos Sanchez out of those trio <laughs> when you when you wrote those words. Um sad to see Zabaleta go or Sanchez more so? Uh
3: I, I I forgot that Sanchez still played for us. Um and I wish him all the best. Um unfortunately injury like belighted his West Ham career, if if it even was a West Ham career. Um just a, a very weird signing. Um, wasn't he um, and yeah wish him all the best in the wherever he goes but Zabaleta is the one that really upsets me um, I see coming to the end of his career he wasn't going to add anything to our squad but I thought he had a lot of, added a lot of value um, sort of off the pitch as someone experienced um, and you know he'd been there seen it, and done it with City and, and, and Argentina and yeah I think he's one of the last proper professionals at the club because um, we need people like him around I think and uh, we've lost one, uh, and yeah, it's sad to see him go. But just an outstanding bloke by falling off the pitch for me. He's only at the club for what three years, and just brilliant. Love him.
2: <laughs> James, I'm so positive. Ast- I know what I'm a so positive, positive, positive mood. There
3: is in.
0: class. I'm, yeah,
3: I'm James- trying to. I'm trying to redeem myself from like almost crying <laughs> on last last week. So I'm just trying. Just trying to be positive about everything. <laughs>
2: Fair play, well, I like it. I like this uh, this new new look from you, Jonesy. Tom, any any thoughts on those? Uh, and Geki, I think we've done that one to death. It remains to be seen where where it'll go next season. But I think we've done that. Sanchez mm-hmm. there for all to see. You, uh, sorry to see those free leave. We think it's just fair business.
0: I mean, the like you said, yeah, Gaki will be a lost to the squad because he's actually part of the playing staff. Sabaleta, I'm with Jonesy. I was, I mean, I was negative about his ability on the park for the last six or so months. I just didn't think he was anywhere near the level, but it, I could not say a bad word about that man. He's been nothing but class, servant to the club, to us, Man City. His whole career, he's been nothing but top bloke, and one of the best right backs the league's ever had. So he'll it, be missed in terms of the experience he can impart and one of the few leaders we did have within the club. And that'll be a shame. We're going to have to replace that come what May in the summer. And that's an absolute fact. We're going to have to get some leaders re- reintegrated into that team. But no, Sanchez was one of those, like you said, what we even paid money for him was a couple million or something for him. He barely played. He was so bad that when he got on the pitch, it sounds a bad thing to say. We might have been better off that he missed so much of those seasons because he came on against Wolves. Gave it away in the last minute. The drama story sticks One in last season. He, he made, in his few appearances, he'd done nothing but look out of his depth. So, I mean, I don't really, I, I don't think we'll miss any of them. If Ngakia didn't want to be there, then so so long to him either, as well. So, we'll see. We'll see how he oh. gets on, though. I, I do wish him all the best, except mm. Ngakia.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I don't, I, you know what, even Ngakia, I think it will be interesting to see where where he ends up next season. And, and, you know, I wouldn't completely rule out the chance that all of a sudden they sit down at the uh, negotiating table in the summer, depending on what league we're in. And you might see him in a, in a West Ham shirt. Again, one final one before we move on to speak to Dave Chidgy from the Chelsea Fancaster preview the game at Stamford Bridge tomorrow night. Next, uh, the new statue, uh, Bobby Moore, Jeff Hurst and Martin Peters lifting the 1965 Cup Winners' Cup. It's going to be outside the Bobby Moore stand at the London Stadium. Positive uh, move from the club. Obviously, we left the champion statue um, on the corner by the bowling pub at the old ground in Upton Park. But it gets a lot less visitors now than, than it did then. But nice move, uh, Jonesy, this one. Or do you think it's one of those sort of trying to, trying to be a bit of a distraction, a bit of a PR move to distract from the form on the pitch?
3: No, I think you know, they said when we moved in that they were going to try and sort out a statue of some sort. Four years ago, so um, I'm not surprised that you know that this news has come out. I think a bit surprised it took so long. So it took four years to get sorted, but uh, it's it's good to have something like that the ground. You know, we keep moaning that you know it doesn't feel like home. You know, things like that begin to make it feel like home over time. So uh, and three, you know, club legends, uh, arguably you know one of the greatest moments in the club's history. You know, it's I think it's a good time given it's anniversary year as well. So yeah, um, I'm quite pleased with it. I just think we just need to nominate a few fans to protect it from from those. You know, that seems to be the thing at the moment. So um, protect the statues. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's probably the only bad timing, isn't it? That statues are being brought down all over the world, and we're putting one up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Tom. Are you uh, the same same mindset as you Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm often negative about them, and I'm changing up today. Yeah, fair play to them. That it's something that was needed a few years earlier. Should have maybe even pre-planned and potentially had it in place for when we got there. But that's 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 all done now. So no, it's a good move. It's the right year to do it. It's it's a celebration. It Gives us something to celebrate on the 125th anniversary. And yeah, what a night that must have been. I wish we we were there to see it. But yeah, that, those three are will forever be club legends. However long this club goes on, those three will always be right right there in the middle of our history so it's 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 worthwhile thing to do and I'm happy they're doing it and bringing some sort of homely feeling to that ground because we need it
2: absolutely with uh, Martin Peters dying in December as well it's sort of you know within a within a year of that that tragedy happening just Jeff Hurst there the last one remaining now, Jeff Hurst came out with some some nice comments in the week as well. So, yeah, I think um, nice touch. And, uh, yeah, perhaps there will obviously be clamours for a few more Billy Bonds perhaps in time to come. But but with nice touch or a nice first step anyway. But stick with us because we've still got loads more to talk about. We've got the Chelsea preview coming up next with Dave Chigi from the Chelsea fan cast. We've got a Newcastle guest from the London Magpies coming up after that. Then, of course, we've got the Rogue Mystery Players quiz to finish things up. At the end. So stick with us next. You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards, and James Jones. We've rattled through loads already on the show celebrating West Ham's 125th year anniversary this year and now I'm delighted, thrilled in fact, to be joined by a former Love Sport radio colleague of ours while that was still going in the heady old days when the We Are West Ham podcast was actually a live event. It's Dave Chigi from the Chelsea Fancast. Dave, how are you? I'm all
4: right Will, good to see you mate, you okay?
2: Yeah, doing very well thanks, doing very well. Thanks for joining us tonight. Um Obviously, West Ham-Chelsea coming up very soon, tomorrow night at the London Stadium. Chelsea, last game, I watched an extremely impressive win against Manchester City, which unfortunately for you guys got completely overshadowed by the fact that once again you handed another team the title after an excellent performance um, by your boys at the bridge. Talk us through that one first. How did that feel, seeing, uh, you know, handing it to Liverpool?
4: Well, you know, obviously happier denying Spurs than handing it to Liverpool, that's for sure. But I mean, it was, I mean, you know, you've worked in the business, Will. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen such appallingly skewed broadcasting. I mean, I worked in TV for 25 years, mate. If I'd have been the producer for BT Sport, I'd have been ashamed, mate. It was, it was putrid. No other word for it. I mean, I mean tell me I'm wrong.
2: It did. uh, The the bit that stuck with me the whole time, I'll be honest, is the 30 years of hurt line. I saw saw someone tweeted something the other day and it was like, you know what, I wouldn't mind 30 years of hurt if it meant two Champions League, five League Cups, four FA Cups and and whatever else it was. So uh, I must admit, there does seem, um, I mean, large sections of the media, understandably in uh, some ways, I suppose, because the Liverpool teams of the past were, were such, you know, uh, so successful and to have those players on TV still makes sense because the people who pay the bills, the sky bills and the BT sport bills tend to be, um, people, you know, in, of that sort of era who are now in their, you know, 50, 60, 70s or whatever, who were there for those Liverpool glory days 30 years ago and beyond, but more so as folks on your team, Chigi the Blues were really impressive to be honest mm. on, um, the, the other night against City I've covered them a few times this season I, What a mixed bag they've been I was lucky enough to be there And covered the, the the defeat to us Earlier in the season When Aaron Cresswell Who's been in the news this week Popped up and, and banged one in Against all odds I was there when you lost to Bournemouth At home somehow yeah, as well One yeah. of very few teams have done that But I've also seen you, You've had some really impressive performances What are your, what are your thoughts on, well, on I you mean, So
4: far? Number one I've been just Really, really, I've loved, I mean, we've all loved it this season. I mean, having having Frank back, um, it's just brilliant. I mean, he's so uh, he's so loved at the club. Uh, but of course, the, the, you know, the real thing is that because of the transfer ban, number one, he's had to play a lot of the youngsters, which a lot of us have been crying out for. And they've proved to be, I mean, they've been amongst our best players this season. Um, the other thing, of course, is that for the more, you know, realistic Chelsea supporters out there, expectations, I think, were, sort of, were set a lot lower than they usually are. I mean, you know, I know it might sound a bit arrogant to say this, but we've been used, you know, the last 15 years or so, you know, bagging a trophy, certainly finishing in the top four, if not winning the title. But this year, I mean, funny enough, I'm I'm in the middle of penning an article about this, but hand on heart, I mean, I, I, I thought mid-table was probably where we would finish, knowing that we had lost our best player in Hazard. The youngsters are coming in and an untested manager. So to be where we are now and have had some of the high points that we've had this season is just way beyond expectations. And I think any inconsistency that we've seen, which you brilliantly highlighted there, Will, thank you. (laughs) uh, But that is kind of inevitable with with kids playing. You know, Some weeks they're going to be brilliant, the next week they're not going to be so good. But I mean, if you look at the season as a whole, it's been fantastic. I mean, if you stopped it now, we are finishing fourth and in the semi-final of a of an FA Cup. It's way beyond what a lot of us hoped for. I think,
3: Judge, you say that expectations weren't weren't that high this year. But you know, if you do finish in the top four this year, how much does that does some of the expectation back? You know, up at the very at the very highest next season. Given that you know Timo Werner's arriving, um, Zayek's arriving. Um, you know, if you're in the Champions League, obviously. Lampard will have proved his worth almost. Um, does suddenly then the pressure really start next season for Chelsea?
4: Well, I think, you know, you go and ask any Chelsea manager and the pressure is always there. And, and you're right, it's ramped up a lot by the supporters as well. We've become so used to success. Um, it doesn't take a lot, you know, for us to get a bit grumpy if we don't get any. That's fair enough. I think this is why... You know, what Frank and the team did against City last week was so important. I mean, what what we had lacked this season, really, was a big scalp. uh, And you'll enjoy this. I don't consider Arsenal this season or Spurs this season a particularly big scalp. And yet we did them home and away. We were close against Liverpool. I mean, obviously, we beat them in the Cup. You know, that was a scalp, sure. But we were close in the league in the Super Cup. And we gave gave City a game uh, up there earlier in the season. But, of course, we got absolutely humped by Man United. So, you know, he really needed to pull off a big win. And he did that. And not only did the team do that, but I thought Frank's tactical now really shone through. I thought he set them up brilliantly. You know, you're an absolute lunatic if you go out city and leave great big gaps because they're so good. They'll just pick you off. And he didn't. He set them up really disciplined, didn't give the ball away, kept their shape, defended and hit him on the break. It was absolutely tactically brilliant. So I think, you know, for Frank, he's proved that he, he can he can mix it with some of the best. So you add in the likes of uh, Zayec and Werner and, you know, arguably a few more to come, and you add that to the fact that all the youngsters have had a really good season and will have developed and got better. Absolutely. I mean, Liverpool, you know, they'll, they'll I'm sure they'll strengthen. they will be fools not to, and they'll be very, very hard to catch. And don't discount City coming back into it, and even United, who I think will probably get stronger next season. But, I mean, why not? I mean, you know, I, I would I would hope that we would challenge for the title next season or at least give City and Liverpool a run for their money if they carry on in this trajectory.
0: You, you mentioned how good your youngsters have been, which they have. They've been really impressive, some of them. But is there a worry that Roman clearly looks like he's going to go out and spend big, big money in centre-half, striker, midfielder? Is there a worry that players like Tamori, Abraham, Man will get pushed further down the pecking order and potentially look to leave the club in a year or so?
4: Tom it's it's always a risk you 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 know you'd be a fool to to say otherwise but i think frank frank's they absolutely uh, he's a really good barometer for this actually because i mean you know obviously i watched his entire career at chelsea and uh, when we bought him off you for a lot of money put a lot of pressure on him uh, and he was rubbish for the first season i kid you not i mean we used to well i mean not all chelsea fans did but me and a few mates in the pub used to call him frank lamppost because he was about as much use But, you know, every year he got better. Every year he worked harder. I mean, you wouldn't say that Frank Lampard was the most naturally gifted footballer we've ever seen. But I would say he's probably one of the most hardworking, and he worked at his game, and he got better. And then every year, when Roman came in, every year after that, we brought in Ballock. We brought in Essien. We brought in great players. And Frank fronted up and said, no, no, yeah, I like the competition, but I'll prove I'm better than you. And that's what he did. So, you know, if we bring in world quality you know world-class quality players which we absolutely have to do if we want to compete for the champions league and the premier league and all of that the kids are going to have to step up but if they take a leaf out of frank's book they'll do all right and if they don't they you know they won't make it it's a very harsh cruel world at the top of the game in football
2: I, yeah Chidge, I, I could totally get that and I think it's quite refreshing to uh, you talk about Lampard there and I think he. This season, it all seemed quite flowery and rosy at Chelsea because, like you just said then, it'd be nice for a change. All the fans seemed to buy into it and drop their expectations, as you've mentioned. And it was all, oh, yeah, oh, nice one. We'll see the young kids. But you've definitely seen from Lampard towards the end of the season that steely determination that he wants to bring back to Chelsea, which would have been there when, when he was a player. Like with that high-level competition, he doesn't want that just because he's a promising youngster like Abraham, who's scored a few goals this season. He doesn't want that to mean he's going to be cemented a spot, if you like, which I don't think he will. But just to move on to the game tomorrow, it's been a very, um, certainly the double I can remember, Paolo Di Canio in the early 2000s, when he done you one 0 home and away with the right foot flick up and the left foot volley from about 70 yards out, I think it was, at Stamford Bridge. I'm, I'm hoping for a repeat of that again. The only problem is Aaron Cresswell's done the bit away with a blinding left foot finish earlier in the season. He's been in the news this week and getting some pelters from a few Hammers fans for his comments on Declan Rice. Do you think that uh, the, the same thing's going to happen? Chigi and West Ham are going to grind out a 1-0 win thanks to a blinder from Cresswell or any of our other players? Or are you a little bit more confident?
4: Well, just to talk about Paolo Di for I, I love Paolo, actually, as a player. I really did. And I, re- I remember that 1-0 and that goal he scored. I also remember when he got sent off and I remember leading the chance of F off Di Canio with that one. Very proud of that moment. But I also remember that um, brilliant, brilliant uh, goal he scored, uh, which I think that was a 3-2. And thankfully I missed it because I, I I'd had so much to drink before the match that I had to go for a, a quick early half-time pee. And I missed a cracking goal, but there you go. Anyway, enough reminiscing about Paolo. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, Will. You know, <laughs> Most Chelsea fans will tell you, we always worry about playing West Ham. Bloody West Ham! They can be awful all season, and I guarantee you. When they play Chelsea, they play like nineteen seventies Brazil. It's just <laughs> every time it does my name. And if you you, you look back at the last uh, the last few games we played you, we I think we've only won something like one in the last five, haven't we? When we when we beat you two 0 with, with Hazard's amazing goal, but they've been we've either lost you or drawn against you. So. I mean, we were talking about it on the fan cast last night, obviously, and you know, we, we kind of discussed whether whether West Ham are a bit of a bogey side for us or not, and, and, and we all pretty much agreed that you're a bit of a bogey side for us. So I never, I never go into a Chelsea-West Ham thinking, yeah, we're going to absolutely mully you lot, because invariably, as I said, you'll, you'll turn up like 1970s Brazil and we'll lose. So, I, you know... I couldn't call it. I really couldn't. You know, on our, if we if we all play to our best, we will beat you, mm. right? I think we've got better players. Period. But you got to turn up, and West Ham will be pumped up. I think the one big thing about this, I'd be interested to hear what you boys think about this. But the fact that there are no fans in the stadium, I actually think that will really help us because obviously, whenever we turn up to play you, you lot are absolutely at it. But you won't be there tomorrow. And I think that you look at all the results in the, in the league so far, there have been a lot of away wins. The cup this weekend being a classic example. Mm. You know, the, the home advantage has absolutely disappeared. And I think that hopefully will play into our hands tomorrow.
3: I completely agree with you. Um, I think I think West Ham has shown over the last couple of games against Wolves and Spurs, that particularly the Wolves game at home, um, the first game back for us, no home fans. Um, and I think that really worked against us. The performance was just, it was almost non-existent. Um, and that's what I'm fearing tomorrow uh, against you boys. Because uh, you're right, we do get up for, for the London derbies and we get up for Chelsea. And it, just getting those players in that mindset without having the fans behind them is going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. But um, but what, one question I wanted to ask you, Chiz, is that uh, you mentioned earlier about having to sign world-class players in order to compete. Uh, Declan Rice has been a player that's been been heavily linked with Chelsea. Um is, that a, is, he, is he a world-class player that that you and, and other fans are, are looking at as a player that you'd like to see at, at Chelsea in the future? Because, uh, I mean, he's, been, he's always been linked with the Blues.
4: Well, I mean, Declan Rice is an interesting proposition, isn't he? Because, I mean, he's clearly a very good player, although he's still quite young. I mean, everybody, every West Ham uh, mate that I've got raves about him, so he's he's consistently our best player each week. Playing in a team that's not playing well, Also, you should add, of course, he started his career at Chelsea. He was in the youth side, and he knows Mason Mount really well, as we all know, with a bit of the lockdown naughtiness. So, yeah, there's a lot about it that would make sense. I I think the big problem that we have at the moment is our defence. You know, I like Alonso, but he's getting on a bit. Dave or is getting on a bit. And, I mean, we've got, you know, four centre-backs, but I'm not convinced that any of them are really good enough You know, look at Liverpool. They had a problem in defence. They identified it was the keeper and one of the central defenders. They went out and got Alisson, one of the best keepers in the world, and they got Virgil van Dijk, who I think is the best centre-back in the world. If you want to go and win the title, if you want to go and win the Champions League, that's what you have to do. So, much as I love Rudiger and Zuma and and Tamori and Christensen, am am I convinced they're good enough? Honest answer is no. And I actually think the biggest issue is not just, you know getting a centre-back. I mean, Christensen's a great ball-playing centre-back. Not sure about Zuma and and, uh, and Rudiger. But I think we do need a great big hairy-ass dominant centre-half because that's where we suffer. Look at all the set-piece issues we've had this season. So many teams who, who, who would like to lump it up into the box or get a free kick just outside the area and put it in the mixer, they capitalise against us because we don't have a leader, I think, in central defence who can organise the defence and go where it hurts and clear it out. You know, and that's the, that's what we need. So is Declan Rice the right answer to that? No, I don't think he would be.
2: Uh, Chigi, I, uh, I, I think, you know, you hear it from a Chelsea fan there. I think lots of football fans across the land can can see that about Chelsea at the moment. Frank Lampard certainly seeing it day in, day out. will no doubt see the same. Obviously, just unlucky. Talk about a big, hairy centre-half there. That um, Arsenal were shrewd enough to snap up David Luiz for another season, so you Agent can Luiz. get the man back and, uh, <laughs> and sign him again for the third time. Chigi, really appreciate you joining us. Pleasure, and as always, mate. just before we let you go, uh, what's your prediction then for tomorrow night?
4: Well, I mean, when, when we did this on the fancast, like we had four different four different answers, mate, ranging from like three nil. I think I was last, so I ended up saying I'll I'll settle for one nil then, and and actually. You know, right now, 1-0 going off somebody's ass would suit me fine because right now it's all about three points because I think it's going to be really tight, uh, you know, going in the last few games, trying to get into top four. You know, Wolves and United not far behind. So it's all about three points. So 1-0 would do me fine.
2: 1-0 to Chelsea, according to Chigi. As always, the opposition view... On the We Are West Ham podcast, having a lot more hope and thinking West Ham are a lot more better, a uh, lot better than they. Uh, better are better, a will. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But Chidge, thanks very much for joining us. Um, Cheers, guys. Good luck oh, to man. an extent tomorrow, and uh, we'll see you soon. But stay <laughs> we with will. us. We've got the uh, Sean from the London Magpies coming up next, and we'll talk about the team to play Chelsea, and of course predictions from the boys. You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones and we just heard from Dave Chigi from the Chelsea fan cast there telling us how that you'd absolutely love a 1-0 win against West Ham at the London Stadium tomorrow night and to be quite honest if it was just 1-0 I think I'd probably take a 1-0 win to Chelsea at the moment as well but as it is after lockdown, the games are coming thick and fast for West Ham. And before we do our next pod next Tuesday, we've obviously got Newcastle away on Sunday as well after the Chelsea game. And I'm delighted that we're joined tonight by Sean from the London Magpies. Sean, Newcastle, one of our previous episodes not too long ago, was titled We Are the London Version of Newcastle. Both of us, big clubs, big sets of fan bases, a lot of general feeling among the fans sometimes that there's a, we're Perhaps underachieving as football clubs. But Newcastle doing going pretty good guns at the moment. 39 points, 14th in the league. Relegation doesn't seem like too much of a worry anymore. Has uh, what's your general thoughts on the season?
1: Um well, let let's just say it's been a it's been a strange season for everyone, hasn't it? And I think the break that we've had through COVID has obviously been quite unsettling for everyone, you know. And for none of the fans to be able to actually return to the game, uh, that in itself has been kind of crazy, um, to say the least. You know, we've, we've had, I think, Newcastle and West Ham, both sets of fans have had a lot to say, but unfortunately we haven't been able to say anything on the terraces, you know. So we're both kind of suffering from bad ownership. Um, we're... As sets of fans go, we, we know that our ownerships uh, don't have our best interest at heart. Um, we were previously without this break happening. I mean, I think West Ham was scheduled in before. It was April on a Friday. Um, and myself being part of like sort of a, a protest group, which is the London Magpie Groups and um, the Magpie group, Um We were linking up with sort of Hamas United uh, and communicating with them and sort of to try to organise like kind of a a joint protest um, for that original game. You know, where us as fans could actually protest sort of outside and during the game that was going to be happening about sort of the the ownership that we're kind of suffering with. Um, so it was something that was set in our diaries um, and then now obviously sort of with the rescheduling, we're here with a game of football that we've got loads to say and unfortunately we haven't got the platform to say it.
0: Sure, and you just mentioned there that obviously the anger at, the take at, sorry, anger at your current owners but there's the rumours of the Saudi guys taking over and obviously they're looking to spend millions and millions, but the human... What are you basically feeling of this takeover? Are you thinking pastures green, or are you worrying about sort of what's been said about them?
1: Well, you know, you only ever... To quote a good friend of mine, um, who's heavily involved with Blackpool, and she's been protesting the group, you know, so Christine from Blackpool, to quote her words, um, she said to me, it... it, it well, a couple of years back, you know, regardless of your ownership within football, you're only ever one owner away from a bad situation. So even within football now, if you've got a good owner, um, or if you've got the the horizon of, say, multi like billionaires coming onto the onto the scene, then it it you're never ever quite secure like as football fans you know so regardless you know like like us as fans we are just kind of the pawns in the game you know and we're, we're unappreciated I do hope that this period where no fans are allowed in games that actually a lot of clubs sit up and, and actually respect the fans for what they are you know whether we we'll go home or away or you know even if they're just the fan that buys a bit of merchandise. Every single one of them should be respected by the owners, but it's, as far as sort of the, the, the new owners or prospective new owners of Newcastle United, yeah, we, we can't not be excited about it. We've had like 13 years of Mike Ashley with negative sort of investment um, Neglect throughout the whole entire structure of the football club, from the youth development to the training facilities to the stadium, you know, improvements and and such. So um, really, it's it's it's, we're we're in a catch-22 of like we don't get to decide who owns the club. All that we can hope for is that we have ambitious owners, um, which, really speaking, I'm I'm sure West Ham will, will agree with that. You know. Um, so far with with the the, the new West Ham owners, if, albeit of a few years, like your Goldman and, and things and your Karen Brady, they've absolutely crap on you, you know, um, you've lost your football ground, you've been left with a, a London stadium that's not adequate for a, a spectator support. Um, I've been to that ground sort of like I think was season and a half ago, and I vowed I wouldn't go back because even as an away fan travelling to the London Stadium, um, it's a load of crap. It really is. It's it's not set up for football. Um, I think really if 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 West Ham owners wanted to actually do something positive for West Ham, then they would have brought all of the seating in towards the actual football sort of ground itself, like the pitch, you know. They would have had you a hell of a lot closer. They would have improved all of that side of the scenario. They've, they've had months and months to do that, and I bet they haven't done crap for you, you know.
3: Sure, I make you right. I think uh, when you talk about the having ambition and ambitious owners, I mean, our owners have, have always uh, said the right things, more often than not, um, yeah. but never delivered. Um, and I suppose that's the same same with Mike Ashley. Um, yeah. but sort of moving sort of into in terms of the actual performances on the pitch, uh, Steve Bruce came in and replaced Rafa. And I know there was a lot of fans that were a bit upset about Rafa leaving the club. Uh, Steve Bruce came in, pretty underwhelming replacement for someone like Rafa Benitez. Uh, but he's had he's had a, a relatively okay season, isn't he? I mean, I just just want to know your thoughts on whether you see him as as a long term manager at Newcastle, because at the beginning of the season there there were you know you know grumblings that you know he wasn't the right man, but since you've come back from from the lockdown and, and everything his performance seems to have improved under him. Do you think do you think he's you know potentially the man for the job?
1: Um, from the from the start, from I mean the replacement from Rafa Benitez to Steve Bruce, none of none of the fan base that I know were best pleased about. They're just going off records alone. And, I mean, Steve Bruce was a man nuclear, you know, through and through. In any case, regardless of where he started out and, and things, you know, he's... he's so, his, his record wasn't great. So, the, the direct swap from uh, Rafa Binete is being sort of, like, you know, like, up there, Champions League winner, European Cup winner, everywhere has been a Cup winner to... to to go in with Steve Bruce, that you know, it, the time wasn't right in any case for Steve Bruce to come into the club, regardless. And um, Steve Bruce has been incredibly lucky um, throughout this season. We can't say that his tactics have been particularly brilliant. Um, he's kind of mirrored um, sort of his setup that Rafa had installed in the in the squad but hasn't been able to deliver on tactics, um, technical substitutions. um, You know, everything about it is is kind of been a wing and a prayer. Um, There's been dysfunction running throughout the squad about what's actually been going on. Um, So, I mean, you know, we're we're kind of like, quite honestly, Steve Bruce has a long-term perspective. Then I would have to say no. Um if he gets to the end of the season, then sort of good luck to him and, and if Newcastle are able to stay up, and I'll say if because at this moment in time on thirty nine points, we're not technically safe uh with seven <laughs> games to go. And sure. I don't even think
2: yeah, that, that you're on 39 points. That means that us and all Bournemouth have got to get up to 39 points. We're on 27. Trust me, haven't yeah. watched us enough this season. I think you're all right. You're all right. Well, yeah,
1: yeah. But you, t- but at the end of the day, though, you know, I mean, this is this is still sort of uncertain kind of circumstances. You know, we haven't got the crowds behind we. We haven't got sort of the fan base. I mean, no team has so. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not sort of mathematically impossible for, for West Ham to stay up and Newcastle to go down at this moment in time. So, we've, I mean, this is pre-recorded from Sunday's games and you have Chelsea tomorrow and we've got Bournemouth away, you know. So But there's nothing to say that, you know, you aren't going to win and we aren't going to get turned over. And then we'll look, at, we'll look at things in a different light.
2: Absolutely. So to be honest with you, Sean, it's, it's quite nice to talk to a Newcastle fan because uh, you're, you're in a similar position to us. You're obviously not happy with your owners. The, the manager you've got similar to us seems to be a bit of a short-term fix. Not perhaps as happy um, with, the, with the players you've got on the pitch. But just, just quickly, before we let you go, um, I'm not overly confident, um, certainly against Chelsea, let alone against Newcastle at the weekend. Just want to get a quick prediction from you, a quick score prediction for Sunday's game.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna disappoint everyone and and do you know what I'm actually gonna say that it's gonna be nil nil. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But at least listen, if we all get a point, then we can all be happy. Um, so yeah, I think it, it, quite honestly, um, I think nil nil, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Sh- Sean, I think um, nil-nil would be a, a grim nil-nil would be uh, be a very good uh, metaphor for the grim state that both of our clubs find themselves <laughs> in at the moment, <laughs> wouldn't it? But Sean from the London Magpies, thanks very much for joining us, and stick with us for the Rogue Mystery Players Quiz next. <laughs> You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. We've had an absolutely packed show tonight and we've two games coming up for West Ham this week before we do our next pod. We've had a double opposition view with Dave Chigi from the Chelsea fan cast and then Sean just then from the London Magpies. It's quite refreshing to hear from Sean Lads. He, even though his team are about three places above us in the table, about 12 more points, he seemed even more depressed than we usually do. He was giving Jonesy last week a run for his money. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean, at one point, I thought I was listening to myself back a week. <laughs> <laughs> just with
2: a Geordie
0: accent, yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 No, I, I did find it interesting, though, that, that he, he was saying about the protests and how he was they were talking mm. to Hammers United about potentially doing a joint protest and kind of, kind of hammers home, excuse the pun, just how uh, just how terrible both clubs have have been run over the last few years. That both sets of fans are willing to join forces and protest at the same match. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's a shame that 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 isn't going to happen. Um, hopefully, that their takeover doesn't happen. And um, we get the opportunity to do it next year if we don't get relegated. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think I think uh, I, I genuinely think that uh, a protest like that with two sets of fans joining together has such a big impact,
0: such mm. a statement, isn't it? Yeah, such a he, statement.
3: Yeah, um, and he, yeah, it, it says a lot more about just the two clubs. It, it it will go beyond just how West Ham and Newcastle have been run, but how football clubs in general have been run. I think you know, if if you see fans of two clubs joining forces like that, so um, mm. yeah.
2: Yeah. absolutely I think um, Yeah, thanks very much to Sean for coming on it's a great chat and I think it's one of those isn't it? he's probably annoyed just as we are where if we were sitting in 14th we still wouldn't be enthused or excited by the, the near future of the club another season just existing in the Premier League isn't what we're all here for is it and I think it's nice to hear from Sean because Newcastle definitely are in a similar position to us and a club we can draw a lot of parallels with certainly from a fan base point of view so thanks for Sean but all of this that we've got through tonight already, the West Ham, Newcastle, Chelsea, the 125th anniversary, Aaron Cresswell, David Moyes, all of that chat so far. Obviously, the very last segment is reserved for the Rogue Mystery Players quiz. Tom Edwards, since signing on permanent terms with the We Are West Ham podcast after sporadic loan appearances throughout the season before him, has been on an absolute storming run, 3-0. And the last two weeks, I believe, coming back from one nil down when uh, Jones has got the first guess of the three and then you've gone on to get the last two. So it's 3-0 overall. James keeps right now saying it's just pre-season just for the fitness. He's already had the big win against me. But um, in solid form, Tom?
0: Mate, I think it's uh, technology is on my side. If we were in the room together and I could feel the pre-match nerves a little bit more, I think it might skew with the brain and a few more Irish of brevets would be coming out. So, um, yeah, I'm just happy to be this side of the camera and not have to look him in the eye when we're doing it. But, uh, yeah, mate, feel confident Pablo Barrera's got me really motoring
2: absolutely i mean i know more than anyone what it is to be opposite james jones when he's breathing down your neck in the studio <laughs> in the uh the tense moments at the end of it <laughs> yeah. yeah at the end of a quiz everyone just so we're clear but, um but <laughs> right, we'll, we'll we'll get straight to it now we've got as usual in the rogue mystery players quiz we've got three players five guesses for each one the clues get progressively easier And the boys just shout out as soon as they know. The first person to get the correct answer wins that point. And it's, of course, best of three. So we'll jump straight into it. This week's Rogue Mystery Players Quiz. This is player number one, clue number one. This six-foot midfielder once managed a team that I have had trials for. You play football. (laughs) I've
0: never heard of their managers.
2: Wearing rollerblades, yeah? (laughs) Clue number two This player was born in Erith in Kent And this 47 year old Had two spells at West Ham But he only played in the first team During his second spell Where he played 27 times in the league Clue number three This player played for Ipswich Doncaster and Mansfield After he left West Ham Freddie Sears He's not forty-seven, is he? Incorrect. He's definitely not forty-seven. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was thinking. for you, said it, not me, mate. <laughs>
2: <laughs> clue number four: This thirty-two-cap Northern Ireland international is the Needham Market current manager.
0: <sighs> I'm going to kick myself now for that clue. Oh,
2: Say, like Clive Clark. Is not Clive Clark. He was an answer in recent weeks, Jonesy. Unfortunately, that is incorrect. Clue number five. This former Manchester City man was signed by Glenn Rhoda, but played most of his games in the 03-04 championship season. Andy Mill. Sean Newton. It is not Andy Melville or Sean Newton. I'll give you a quick recap as neither of the guys have got the correct answer just yet. This six-foot midfielder once managed a team that I had trials for. And for reference, it was Malden and Tiptree. Uh, clue number two, he was born in Erith in Kent. And this 47-year-old had two spells at West Ham. But he only played in the first team during his second spell where he managed 27 league games. Clue number three, he played for Ipswich, Doncaster and Mansfield after West Ham. Clue number four, this 32-cap Northern Ireland international is the current Needham market manager. And clue number five, this is the one that you should get it on. This former Manchester City man, midfielder, was signed by Glenroda, but played for most of his games in the 03-04 championship season, which was his only season with the club. Still nothing from the lads. I'm gonna go on a whim here. These weren't pre-prepared clues, but from memory, I believe he played shirt number sixteen. And he was left footed, I think.
0: I was gonna say someone like Chris Cohen, but he's he's not he was English.
2: Nope. Absolutely not. Still nothing confused. Looks he fell out with Alan Pardew, which meant he played he didn't play in any of the playoff games at the end of the season. Oh, Short, fuzzy, dark hair.
0: Quinn? No,
2: it wasn't Wayne Quinn. Do you need? Do we need initials? Can we, can we come back to it?
1: Can yeah, we can bank back to it.
2: Yeah, okay. We come, come back, back to it. that one. Right, this is player number two, clue number one. This player's Wikipedia picture is him signing a ball outside Upton Park, despite the fact he played just five games for West Ham and played for sixteen other clubs in his career. Nope, clue number two. This 35 year old, sorry, this 34 year old's two other names, i.e., not the ones he's most well known by, are Alberto and Gasco. How old is he? Did he... Uh, 34. Um, 34. Walter number... Lopez. Oh, it is Walter Lopez. Tom oh. <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's a great shout. <laughs>
3: That's <come>
2: on <laughs> Tom that Edwards, is,
3: that's outrageous.
2: With another South American shower. I out saw out it of, randomly the Lewis. other day that he played five games for us. Absolutely. The clue number three was, in 2013, he was arrested for setting fire to his truck and then claiming the insurance money. <laughs> uh, he, this, left, this left-footed brunette made his debut away at Watford in 2008, and this left-back is a three-cap Uruguay international with a remaining clue. So, Tom Edwards... Goes one new up with another great South American shout after Pablo Brera last week. Player number one, still in the bank for the two lads who couldn't get it. But we'll move on now to player number three. Tom Edwards could steal it here if he gets this one. but and, and then we'll go back to player number one. So, player number three, clue number one. Other than a year with Alaves in Spain, his loan spell at West Ham was the only club he played for outside of his home country in his career. Clue number two. This 36-year-old currently plays for Fortaleza. Clue number three. Having arrived at West Ham alongside Joe Cole, he said, I'm coming to England to prove I'm one of the best strikers in Brazil and to get better and better. Wellington, Paulista. Oh, Tom Edwards, 2-0. He's won it again four weeks in a row. James Jones, whether they're friendlies this or the not, right. he is falling to pieces. Tom, another South American for Tom Edwards. That's my, That's my specialty. It is. to James, I'm going to throw straight to you, straight away. Tom's won it 2-0. We will go back to player number one. In fact, we'll do that I can't first. get this guy. We'll come to your comments afterwards, James. We'll do player number one because you've still got pride to play for, remember? So quick recap, this six-foot midfielder once managed a team I had trials for. He was born in Erith in Kent and this 47-year-old had two spells at West Ham but only played in the first team during his second spell where he managed 27 league games. He played for Ipswich, Doncaster and Mansfield after West Ham. This 32-cap Northern Ireland international is Needham market manager. His former Man City man was signed by Glenroder Roder. But played most of his games in the 03 04 Championship season, which was his only season with the club. Left footed shirt number 16, I believe. Short, dark, fuzzy hair, which are the bonus clues. Still nothing from either of you. Do you want, I'll give, no. give you initials. His initials are KH. Kevin Horlock. It is Kevin Horlock. Oh, James Jones. James Jones rescues some pride. I always remember him as being quite diminutive. But um, in fact, six foot tall. So James Jones, really. I would never some have got that
0: one.
2: It's, it's, it's his fourth defeat on the bounce. Josie, I'll, I'll throw straight to you. What's going on, mate? You're a shadow of your former self.
3: I, um, I still maintain the fact that this is just good pre season practice. Just getting the fitness up. <laughs> um, you know, it's not all about winning in pre season. Uh, everyone remembers when we went unbeaten in pre season under Everam Grant and what happened. We got relegated that season. So, you know, I'm just, you know, going with emotions. Just getting into my stride a little bit, and uh, yeah, I mean, but Tom's been outstanding in the last few weeks. I mean, like not even giving me a chance. So fair play,
2: Tom. Scintillating form since your permanent deal. What do you put it down to? Just
0: yes, the the weight of expectations. I've had to fill some big boots. You two, you had a great comp, so I've had to come in here. But no, South. Weirdly, I've just got uh, the South Americans have uh, just guessed, just just good guesses, I guess. But the uh, no. Just
2: luck, mate. Like, Very surprised neither of you got it after the clue um, or knew that I had clues for this year's FA Cup fairy tale story. <laughs> Morden and Tiptree beat Leighton Orient away in their first ever appearance in the uh first round proper. I'm surprised A, Jonesy, that you thought I'd never played football in my life and B, that you didn't know I had trials for such a prestigious team. Didn't. I didn't. didn't I? I'm, sorry. I'm offended. However, no, actually,
3: no, I think you may have done over a couple of pints once. You may have told me. Bragged, that. bragged. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Yeah.
2: yeah. I was, I was rejected. So don't worry. And Tom's played football with me. So he, uh, he knows why my football He's career didn't go very field. far. Absolutely. So lads, just before we, before we wrap it up for this week, uh, just quickly, obviously by the time a lot of people listen to this, we may have already played Chelsea, but Jonesy uh, you've, you've suggested earlier that it might be time to gamble with Zande Silva, with Sebastian Haller. Looking a doubt again, has to be O'Connor and Diop at the back. What are your thoughts on on the team going into the Chelsea game? Then we'll do some quick predictions.
3: Well, since I, I wrote that in the in tonight's running order, Moyes come out and said that Ogbonna oh, might not be might not be fit, so it doesn't look like it could be Babouner and and Diop again. Um, I see I see every reason to to gamble. You know, I, I mean. It, this is almost going to be a free hit for us. Um, even if COVID hadn't happened, it wasn't behind closed doors. Uh, even without the, the added uh, home support that we would have had with, with fans in the ground, you know, we don't re- really expect to beat Chelsea, even though we've had some decent results against them in the past. So this is a free hit for us completely. Um, and I would throw Zande Silva in from the start and give him, give him a go. Um, it hasn't worked with Antonio. Yeah, he's run his socks off, but it hasn't worked with him up front. Change the system. Stick out Zande Silver up there. Um, I just want him to. I want to see David Moyes do something. And he keeps talking about how he wants his job full time. He's got loads of great ideas. who he's now he's got to work for it, and um, he's got to, he's got to do something tomorrow night. So I'd like to see Zande Silver in there, um, and Anderson start, which I know will you wouldn't really want to see. But I think a little bit of creativity in there will, will do us do us the world of good. I can't
2: believe you're calling for Anderson to start again, Jones. I'm absolutely disgusted by that. Uh, Tom, (laughs) David Martin was obviously the hero of the away game earlier in the season. when He he, he was absolutely outstanding when we nicked the 1-0 win. Obviously, I don't expect him to get back in the team, although it might be a good idea just to give the players a little bit of oomph and actually have someone in that starting eleven who cares about the fate of West Ham. What are your thoughts quickly ahead of the Chelsea game?
0: Um, I mean, it'd be foolish to say that I'm, I'm confident playing against them. They've looked really good since the restart. We haven't, but again, like uh, Chigi said earlier on, we do tend to turn up against them. Obviously, it's not going to be the fans there, but you've just got. to... I always hope against in these big games against the Chelsea's and Spurs. I always have a little bit of a, a hope that we're going to turn up and be a different size to the ones we've we've seen too much too often this season, but. In general, I think today will be quite a defining day because Bournemouth have a big game against Newcastle. They get anything, then we're we're in the relegation zone and then it's really going to hit home for a lot of those players that this is it now and you've got six games to save yourself. So, anything we get tomorrow will be a massive bonus, but I'm not overly negative this week.
2: Score prediction then, Tom, for Chelsea? Uh, I hope we get one, so
0: I'm
3: going to say 2-1 Chelsea, sadly.
2: 2-1 Chelsea, Jonesy.
3: I don't see a scoring, um, but for the sake of a positive prediction to to keep up with my theme this week of being very, very positive, I'm going to say a 1-0 win.
2: 1-0 win from Jones. Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit more in the middle of those two, and I, I think it's the same sort of thing. I'm going to go with what Sean said the Newcastle game might be. I'm going to hold on in hope rather than expectation that we, that we somehow eke out a 0-0, because I think we've, we've defended well in spells since lockdown hopefully we can do that for 90 minutes can't see us scoring any just quickly we'll do Newcastle Jonesy obviously we'll, we'll have to see how the Chelsea game goes before that before we see any uh, team selections or anything Are you any more hopeful for a trip to St James's Park? Um, I mean a little bit more hopeful given that you know we don't, we
3: don't have a lot of luck there um, but without fans it does change the dynamic a little bit away teams seem to be getting the better results uh, but Newcastle being been in good form since the return um, but I'm going to remain positive again and say 2-1
2: Tom?
0: I'm going to go go 1-1. Which I'll take, to be honest. I'll actually probably take that the way everyone else is going. I'll take a draw up there.
2: I do agree. I think we I think we need to get a win out of that. If we're there, like James, you said, we've got these games just to fight for the skin of our teeth. And Newcastle, just like us, have not got a lot about them. They are there, a team that can be beaten and certainly should be. So, i hope we go up there and nick an ugly one-nil win. But lads, it's been an absolutely packed show. With uh, thanks to our guests, we've had Dave Chigi from the Chelsea Fancast, Sean. From the London Magpies, we've touched on Aaron Cresswell's comments, David Moyes' comments, the new home kit, underwhelming, overwhelming, whatever you think. We've waved goodbye to Pablo Zabaleta, Carlos Sanchez, and Jeremy Ngekia. We've also discussed the Moore, Hearst, and Peter statue, which is being erected outside the Bobby Moore stand it's been 125 years since Thames Ironworks were incepted and at the moment it looks like it might be 125 years more of her for us but don't worry about it because here at the We Are West Ham podcast we'll still be trying to put a smile on everyone's faces and, and smile through the pain so thanks for joining us again this week as always and join us next week where we'll look back at the Chelsea and Newcastle games, and hopefully there's something a little bit better to smile about. Stick with us, up the hammers, and we'll see you next week.
1: Hello there, I'm Tony Gale, and you are listening to We Are West Ham podcast.
3: Sports Social Podcast Network.